Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining us again in the program. I'm delighted to have your company. With me in the studio today I have a special guest, Brandon Enterman. Brandon, welcome to the program. Thanks, Etienne. It's lovely to have you. Now, you're a person that's sort of local. You're near Morissette, about, what, half hour away or so. And you do some interesting work at the moment. You actually work for the Lord, as far as I understand it. I do. I do full-time working in ministry. And I work at Maitland Seventh-day Adventist Church and Curry, our Seventh-day Adventist Church as well. Okay, great. So you're in the rural parts of this, uh, this neck of the woods, so to speak. But I get to live a little closer to Newcastle, which kind of balances everything out. Okay, lovely. So you're actually Pastor Braden Enterman then? I am, yes. Okay, well, it's a pleasure to have you. So uh, just maybe briefly tell us a little bit about your work and what you do. So currently I work um, full-time, and my job mainly comprised, is comprised of Bible studies, um, both with um, young and old within the church mm. and also people in the community. Um, I spend my time uh, meeting new people and trying to introduce them to the to the God who's done so much in my life. Um, Wonderful. Obviously, to do with um, pastoring, there's preaching and mm. um, things like hospital visitations and all sure. of the, the nuts and bolts of ministry. And I guess counseling comes into it at times as well. Yeah, to the best that I can. <laughs> <laughs> and then opportunities like this. And I actually get to do um, a lot of music as well. Um, okay. So my, you're a musician. Correct, yeah. I, so which I, instruments do you play? I play guitar and piano. Hmm. Um, I prefer playing piano, but I feel a little bit more competent on the guitar. Um, right. And my auntie, Sandra Antman, who does uh, quite a lot of music hmm. uh, around Australia and internationally. Sure, we broadcast her music on a regular basis here, yes. I've got the privilege of traveling with her and doing some music each year. Um, so that that's in a nutshell what I do um, throughout the year. Well, that sounds like there's a fair bit of variety in your work. And I like it that way. It keeps a, um, it, especially when you're doing ministry. Ministry is very, very emotionally taxing. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's so many subjective elements. Yes. Um, but I just praise God that there is one objective element, something that doesn't change, mm. and that is God's faithfulness and God's um, presence and God's love to strengthen you in your ministry. Mm. Beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your testimony because obviously what you're doing is you're sharing something that you've experienced in your own life personally. Correct, yes. And that's what this program is about, really. I mean, it comes from Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The person that's being overcome or the being being overcome is the serpent of all called the devil and Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So I'm looking forward to you sharing your testimony with us today. So perhaps we can now just go back to the very beginning. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about where you were born, family influences, and so forth. So I was born in a little town, uh, or not so little town, called Ipswich, which is in, in Queensland. I do know Ipswich, yes. It's a, um, 
it's a, it, it's my hometown. I know yeah. it's got a bit of a reputation or had a bit of a reputation, but it's the place where I was born. It's mm. the place where I grew up. Um, and for I've spent most of my life in that particular town. Um, I probably should share a little bit about my family. Okay. You know, as I've been meeting and meeting people right across New South Wales in ministry for the last five years, I've met so many different people who come from so many different types of family backgrounds. Mm. And I tell you what, as I've been getting to know all of those different situations, I've become all the more grateful for my own. Okay. Um, it breaks my heart to to hear and to to see the types of uh, the family situations that people find themselves in. There's uh, we only need to look at the statistics in our world today and how much mm. brokenness mm. Um, and how much pain can just be found in a little home. Um, Incredible. In any given home, even in this area today, mm. um, homes, people dealing with stuff. And, you know, as I, I spent two years of ministry, which I'll talk about later, two years of ministry out at Moree, um, out west. And I tell you what, that was one of the most difficult times of my life. Really? But I really be, really came to appreciate my family more and more. Mm. Um, people often ask me, Braden, why are you a Christian today? Why do you follow God? Mm. Because just because you're born in a Christian family doesn't really mean much at all these days. Because Yeah, that's right. Um, the trends are showing that for many people who grew up in Christian homes, many of them head out. Mm. Um, and it's, it doesn't have a real staying power. Why are you a Christian today, Braden? And the first thing that I tell them is that the first Bible that I ever read was my parents. Wow. Okay. That is, yeah, and that just puts so much responsibility on adults and parents in particular, doesn't it? Correct. And, and not just my, my parents, but um, I've just been abundantly blessed to have not just an immediate family, but an extended family that really live what they believe and really reflect the, the goodness and love of God. And I tell you what, as as a youngster, that made such an impact on me. Mm. Um, there's a there's a there's a feeling that you get of just safety. There's a feeling of just um, being wanted and valued um, and believed in, mm. and just genuinely cared for. And in that climate, it was there that I was given the best chance possible um, to get to know the God who had done so much in their life. Mm. You know, from a young age, I was taught um, the Bible. And I know that many people haven't had that opportunity. Yes. Um, from a child, I was, I was taught the stories of Scripture. And at, at age three, I'd actually, um, uh, my parents had taught me to memorize the Bible. And I'd actually memorized um, in the King James Version, uh, the Ten Commandments by age three. Mm. Uh, and so from a young age, I was immersed in Scripture and, you know, often going and hearing inspiring speakers and various things like that. And from a young age, I learned um, just so much about about God. Um, but as, as I'll continue to share, just because you have an opportunity like that does not mean that you're guaranteed. It, it does not guarantee a relationship with God. Yeah, sure. um, we cannot live vicariously through um, our, our parents or people around us. Um, they can't have a relationship with God for us. Mm. Um, there has to come a point in our lives where that relationship becomes our own yes. and it becomes personal. And... You know, it's probably not surprising to people, but you know, I've never robbed a bank. <laughs> I, you know, I've never been part of a massive big criminal gang or anything like that. Mm. But I, I just am so convicted at this point in my life that I need Jesus just as much as anyone who's done any of those things. Right. Often we think that, oh, wow, of course they need Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, I think of, was it um, John Newton? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, was he the slave, um, the slave ship? Uh, yes, owner? I believe he, yeah, he was. Yes, um, he wrote the song "Amazing Grace," mm. and you know it's easy for us to say, especially us living here in Australia. Of course, he needed grace. He operated a slave ship, and you know had the blood of uh, thousands of slaves on his hand. But you know, I'm convicted today more than ever before that I need Jesus just as much as John did, mm. and God's grace is something that I need today. And I'll probably just like to share a little bit about that. I've, I'm very blessed to have amazing relationships with my two siblings. I have a younger sister okay. and a younger brother, and there's the three of us as, um, as siblings. And I just noticed a massive change come over me when I met God. Mm. Um, I, I often remember uh, my brother, you know, sibling rivalries, sibling contentions, which are quite generic and quite common. Yes. I think everyone can relate to them. Um, I used to always think, you know, if only my brother would just change his ways. If only he stopped doing X, Y, or Z, then, of course, I won't respond. Hmm. And we have these contentions and um, we have this self-defensiveness and all of this stuff that goes on in our lives, which we take quite as quite normal. But I just find that when I met Jesus, things just started to change. And I, I met Jesus when, um, like for myself, when I was nearing my final year of high school hmm. and... Um, my dad actually purchased me a really, a really beautiful copy of the scriptures. And I think, Eddie, and it's actually the Bible that you're holding in your hands right oh, now. Oh, really? Okay. Um, that looks like a remnant Bible. It is. It's yes, a remnant leather. study Bible. Yes. Um, that's the exact edition that, that I got. Oh, wow. And I started reading it from, from cover to cover mm. and just reading it. I, and the experience was so amazing that this is year 12. This is the time we got to study really hard. At home, I would never study my schoolwork because I just could not keep out of the Bible. Wow. You know, people think that might be a bit risky, but my grades actually went up. As by a, studying the Bible. By, by studying the because Bible. Because nothing can expand the mind as well as the Scriptures can. Yeah, incredible. It's, it's amazing. You must have done a little bit of schoolwork, though. I did. I worked very, very hard. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I wanted to be a medical doctor. Okay. Um, for my whole life, from a childhood, um, uh, for those listening who've heard of the name Ben Carson, he's a, a famous neurosurgeon sure, in America. Yeah. He was um, someone that really inspired me. Likewise. And um, I really wanted to be a medical doctor. And and here's me working hard at school, but also at home, just I cannot have enough of the scriptures. I'm just studying, I'm studying, I'm studying. And to go with that, I just felt my heart drawn out to God and I started to pray. Mm. And... I, some of the most amazing experiences of my life. Um, I remember coming home and my heart was so drawn out in appreciation for what God has done for me that I would go outside after I'd done um, my, my chores and my, my, my duties around the house and under the stars I'd go out and drop on my knees and sometimes an hour would go by in prayer um, and I would, I would be in tears as I would just be praying to God for guidance mm. and for help in my life. And I would remember each night as I would pray um, sensing the, the closeness of God amazingly. I was, I was consciously aware of angels with me as I pray. Wow. Not visibly, but consciously. Yeah. Um, I was always aware when God was close. Mm. And it was, it was just the most amazing experience. And God just inspired me to, to love people. Like my siblings, when, when God would be challenging me from the word to love those who treat me wrong. I would say, God, you have to help me because I can't do that. Sure, yeah. And I remember just seeing my relationship with my siblings change. Um, and they can testify to this day the change that came over me. Mm. Um, rather than 
uh, you know, scolding my brother for what he'd do, I'd reach across and massage his back. Um, and just seeing that the tension disappear um, as God through me was showing love to, to him and to those around me. Mm. I had the opportunity, probably one of the most um, life-changing opportunities, to go and visit a, an old lady by the name of Vera. Now, she was in a, um, a nursing home up in, in Ipswich, and for the best part of a year and a half, I went and visited her every um, Sabbath afternoon. After we come home, have, have lunch together, um, we would then, I would then jump in my car with my guitar and go and visit this lady. Now, this lady was 80 when I was born. Um, okay. Yes, this is a, she was a very old lady, mm. and she um, died just shy of 100. Mm. And I remember every, every Saturday afternoon sitting there with my Bible and with my guitar singing to her. Uh, she loved Amazing Grace, and I would share the Word of God with her. And I tell you what, Eddie, and I met Jesus powerfully in that room. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful verse in the Bible that says, and it's in the book of James, um, pure religion um, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And, you know, this verse really came true to me. Mm. I found out what true religion was. Um, shut away with hardly anyone to visit her or show her love or kindness, I just experience what true religion is all about. And, you know, I remember after spending time with her, I would, um, she, she would always say, are you going to give me a kiss goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> and of course I couldn't leave without, without giving her a kiss on the head. And, and I'd reach over and I'd give her a hug and a kiss on the forehead. Mm. And I just remember her quivering, um, just, just quivering with joy and excitement um, because she just feels so loved and so mm. appreciated. And I just started to realize what life was all about. Um, I started to realize what Jesus was calling me to be and to do. And at that moment, my love for Jesus, I've, I've never been so happy as when I was um, in that room with that lady. Um, the happiness was just indescribable. Wow. And, um, yeah. And there's many people out in our community who are elderly and are very lonely. I just met someone just over the weekend, and we were talking, and then came and spoke to us and just said, look, I'm... I've been working for the Lord for a while, but I'm very tired. And uh, would you mind praying for me? And then afterwards, we discovered that she's actually very lonely. She's 81 years old as well. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for young people, or people of any age really, who are able to just go and spend time with the with the older people. And the, you know, we are to honor our father and our mother. And it may not just be the bloodline father and mothers; it might be the fathers and mothers in our church and in our community that also need encouragement. And, you know, we're all going to age one day, sooner or later. When we're young, we just don't think it's going to come that quickly. But as you get older, you realize that time is very short. And we would, wouldn't we appreciate people coming to visit us as well? It's so interesting. And, like, that changed my life. Mm. It changed my life. Well, it's you a simple took, thing. You experience what the Word of God said. You know, if the Lord says do that and we do that, we are blessed. And it's, it is to go and visit the fatherless and the widow and the, you know, the, the elderly. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that. Now, Change came into your life. Now, you weren't a very bad person because you had very positive influence and very positive role models. I, I just admire uh, your your upbringing. But what was it specifically? Was it the fact that your dad gave you the Bible and you were reading the Bible and it's the, the Word of God that transformed your life? If you had to put it down to one major factor, there'd be a number of factors, no doubt. For sure, for sure. What would it be? It was a combination of reading the Bible for myself mm. and 
you know, I, I, I was quite familiar with many things in the Bible sure. prior to that, but for myself, not just hearing it from someone else, but, you know, meeting Jesus for myself in the word and just being overcome by the loveliness of Jesus. Mm. As as I would read, um, there's this beautiful book called the called Desire of Ages. Uh, it's a book on the life of Christ. Um, and isn't it just an amazing book? Incredible book. I'm just going through it in the mornings now for my devotional because I, I normally what I do is I get into Bible study straight away and I've been counseled to spend a thoughtful hour each day contemplating the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes. And I thought, well, Desire of Ages will be my book this year that I will do that. And I don't want to... Actually, I can't actually help but study because there's so many beautiful gems in there. But basically what I want to do is just read and meditate on what I'm reading. Yeah. And, yes, yeah, so I, I, I support your statement on Desire of Ages. Incredible book. It would talk about Jesus as a young boy. And mm. you know, sometimes we forget that Jesus was an 11-year-old boy one at one point in his life. Mm, you know, He right. knows what it's like to be a 13-year-old. He knows what it's like to be a 5-year-old. Mm. And it describes what he was like in that portion of his life. Mm. Whenever he would see someone um, bullied or neglected or left out, his heart would be so hurt and he would make it his personal effort to go and, and to help them. He'd, he'd give his lunch to those that are hungry. And mm. if, if an old lady was um, being teased by the, the local riffraff of the, of the town, he would follow her home and sing with her and pray with her uh, wow. and, and, and just let her know that she's appreciated. And as I'm looking at that, I'm going, that is just astounding mm. you know if we venture further into Christ's life his compassion for all people all people um, yeah. and, and and the little children the mothers bring the children to Jesus and the disciples are saying you know go away kids stop annoying Jesus and he says no I've got time for them mm. and he's the king of glory having little children sitting on his lap and showing them kindness and and, and you know all of this compounding and not to mention of course, his crowning sacrifice upon the cross. Yes. Um, and just, Father, forgive them they, for they don't know what they're doing. And all of this compounded just mm. to mess me up. <laughs> it, it, mess you up it, in, it in does, a good way or a it, bad yeah, way? <laughs> it messes you up in a good way by, and it actually fixes you up. Right. Like you, you, cannot, you cannot look at the life of Christ and um, it's, I just think it's how can you remain unchanged by yeah, beholding his love? As you as by beholding you become changed. And the thing is you look at his life and you want to be like him. That's right. And the thing is, but we're not by nature, are we? No, so we're we not. need we need something out of ourselves to transform and change our lives. And I'd love to explain just how that worked in my life, just mm. the nuts and bolts of how God changes our life. Because yeah. for many people, they say, "How how did it happen?" Um, I started to claim the promises of God. Mm. Right, right. If you look from the beginning of the Bible to the end, um, there's many, many verses that start with two words: "I will." Okay. And if you if you have a little look at who's speaking, it's actually God. Mm. God makes a promise to Abraham. I will. I will do this. I will do this. I will bless you. I will. And God's mm. making these promises. Mm. And do you know the only appropriate response is to say, okay. Yes. And to let God keep his promises. Mm. And I started to, you know, when, when God says um, in the Bible, I'm able to keep you from falling. Yes. I'm able to keep you from stumbling. If I was in a part of my life where I was feeling like I was going to stumble, I would claim that promise and call out on God's name. Hmm. And his, the, the power of his word would just come to my aid and, 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 and God would deliver me out of any situation. Hmm. Amen. Um, if I was tempted to um, retaliate in any situation, the Bible says, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. And God says, I will give you a new heart. 
Mm. You know, I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll help you with this. And I said, God, you have to help me. And every time I claimed the promises in the Bible, I, I, I discovered a power that just appeared in my life mm. to help me to put others first. And, you know, that, for, for some that might sound like um, nothing, nothing amazing. But I tell you what, when you experience that, there's nothing more amazing. Yes. Um, there's a joy that comes from knowing that that love and that God is on the throne in, in, mm. in your heart. Mm. And and just a, as a by way of a testimony, my brother, um, I remember one day we were driving home and um, we were in the little Hilux. Um, <laughs> we were all sitting in the front. They're all squeezed up together, um, our siblings. Um, and my brother was was sitting on the left hand side, my sister in the middle, and I was driving. And he started, um, you know taking my sister to task about something and, and just being a bit of a nuisance and, you know, what do you want to do in those situations? Yeah. You know, you want to let them know what's going on and, and tell them that's not not cool. Mm. But I started to pray, God, I know that you're calling me to love him and to show him kindness mm. regardless of what he does. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And that's when God said, give him a massage. Mm. Now, it's a little bit, little bit dangerous, but I reached across with one hand and just started massaging his neck. And I tell you what, this the tension disappeared. And, you know, I was so happy. I was like, what just happened? Mm. That's not me. I don't treat people like that. You mm. know, I've, I've got to make sure that they know that they're wrong. That's, that's normally me. Yeah. And so I got home and I said, God, have you got anything else that I can do? What else can I do to be a blessing to my brother? And, you know, I'd just be thinking, oh, maybe I'll get him a drink of water. He's studying hard and he's stressed. And then I get down and I pray with him and, and then I'm doing everything I can to be a blessing to him and, in 2016, at the beginning of 2016, my brother gave me a call and said, Braden, um, I've made a decision to be baptized and I would like you to baptize me. Wow. And I just am so grateful to God that, that God was able to reach his heart. And, and he shared with me um, many times just the impact that the change in my life made on his life. Mm. And I'm just, I'm just eternally grateful to God um, that I had that privilege uh, but Eddie, it actually gets better. Um, my sister started to notice the change in my brother, and she's the youngest. She's the youngest, and she's she's noticed the um, the change in my brother. And she gave me a call um, just at the end of last year and said, "Braden, would you baptize me?" And I've I'm just so honoured um, just to privilege. share that I've had the privilege of baptizing both of my siblings. And knowing that I I did nothing to achieve that, mm. it was the same God that made a difference in my life, reached into their lives, and just God passed the love on, um, and just the the joy on, yeah. and uh, just to know that both of them have made decisions to follow the Lord, uh, especially in this day and age, you know, like my sister is in year twelve at the moment, and um, she's making good choices and following the Lord, and to know that in a world where there's so many pressures, mm. uh, where there's so many challenges, so many distractions, so many people who'd walk down that path who we are acquainted with who could have a negative influence on us. Correct. Yeah, and Correct. at that age to make a stand for the Lord in a positive way like that is just wonderful. Yeah. Mm. And so all of that leading up to that point, God changed my life dramatically, and I realized that the change that took place in my life is just as great as the change that takes place in the life of someone who was a murderer or a bank robber or a, or a slave um, ship owner like John Newton. Yes. The, the, the change is just as dramatic and just, just as, as miraculous. Mm, yeah. Amen. So what age 
if you had to put an age down, what age do you think it was when you finally made that decision of a full surrender to the Lord? Or was it more gradual than it that? It was gradual and also sudden. And okay, I'm going to share um, a little bit later um, the, the sudden part of that. Okay, but well, we're looking forward to that. At the end of um, my year 11 of schooling, I think my year 10 or year 11, I read the book Great Controversy. Another um, great book. Another great book. It's yeah. just... I, Cannot recommend that book enough. It's made a, mm. an impact in so many lives around the world. I read that book and I just was so overwhelmed with the time in which I was living and just how um, the great prophecies of Scripture had predicted the time in which I'm living and, mm. and revealing the, the what's just about to happen in our world. And I think that really got my attention and, and, sure. and made me just really serious about um, what my, my faith and my the need for me to seek seek God with all of my heart, mm. and just the the reading scripture for myself, and, and reading books like Desire of Ages, and just spending time in prayer, that's what really made the, the impact in my life. Yeah, incredible. Look, that book is written for our time. Uh, that book wasn't relevant 200 years ago, but it is very very relevant now. It's what we call present truth, you know. In Noah's day, present truth was. Get in the ark to be saved. We don't preach the same message now, although we can apply principles from that time. Correct, yes. And, you know, it's the same with um, God calling his people out of Israel. Sorry, out of Egypt to go to, you know, go to the promised land. That was present truth at that time. We can learn from it. We're not calling people out physically to go to a specific land, but spiritually we can apply that. But this, this book for our time, incredible book. Everybody who can read should get a copy of that book as well. Mm. So thank you for for raising that. So we have um, a few minutes left. Perhaps you can just tell us a little bit more about uh, the aspect. You, you, you mentioned the Word of God, how important it was. You mentioned prophecy. I don't want to preempt anything yet, but just in the last few moments we have of the first half here, uh, the role that prophecy played in uh, in your conversion. Well, I was quite familiar as a youngster with um, a lot of the prophecies in mm. Scripture, but there's something when you go through the book of Daniel, for example, um, and there's quite a number of time prophecies in, in the book of Daniel where God makes a prediction and, and says that in X number of years, this will take place. Mm. You know, things about it predicting the very year um, and day that the Messiah would die. Wow. Um, you know, things like this and um, not to mention all the other prophecies about the rise and fall of nations right down to the very close of time. Mm. These things were hugely impressive for me because not only do they engage the heart, but they also engage the mind. Mm. Um, we grow up in it. I'm growing up day by day, and we're living in a society which is very, very critical and is looking for evidence. Mm. Um, and for me, prophecy just was the perfect answer for that. Yes, um, it was evidence um, more than you more than you need. <laughs> it's it's. Um, <laughs> That's right. I, I believe it's irrefutable evidence. If people want to look at evidence, they should look at prophecy. And prophecy is like a, a shining light that shines even more and more until the perfect day. Yeah. You know, um, I think that Peter is the one that actually makes that statement that, you know, we have like the, the day dawning through prophecy until the morning star arises in our heart. But dear listener, we're just going to take a short break here and we'll come back right after these messages. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony and in the studio today, my special guest is Pastor Braden Enterman. Has the world gone crazy? International diplomats are frantically negotiating to try and stop ISIS, immigration and suicide bombers. But it often seems so futile. What are we missing? I'm Julian Archer an author and international speaker, and I monitor world news trends. Things are getting crazy. My latest booklet, The History of Tomorrow, 
reveals the last 2,600 years through the eyes of kings, prophets, popes and presidents. It unveils a pattern in the timeline of history and it exposes an event that will soon permanently alter the face of our planet. It takes less than an hour to read, but it could change the rest of your life. To receive your free electronic copy, email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. To order a print copy, phone 3ABN on 02 Dear listener, welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. In, in the studio, I have Pastor Braden Enterman, who is sharing his testimony with us today. And Braden, just before the break, you were talking about the importance of the Word of God and how God put you on this journey where He was drawing you and leading you to get into His Word and to spend time in prayer. So there was communication to you through God's Word, and you were talking back to God through prayer. But you also mentioned that there was a specific encounter. So you talked about the leading, which was gradual, and then a specific encounter, which was quite dramatic, and God called you to ministry Yeah. and how your life changed there. So perhaps we can just pick up the story, and then you can lead us through that because I'm really keen to hear what happened. Sure. It's, it's very interesting. In ministry, you have to do a lot of talking. You're often doing Bible studies. You're preaching. You're mm. doing different things, doing radio. Okay. Um, and you have to speak a lot, you know. Hmm. But it may be a, uh, be a surprise to some that um, for most of my life, I was terrified whenever anyone gave me a microphone mm. or whether when I had to do something up the front. And that went right through until the, the latter portion of high school. Um, you know, I remember one of the chaplains at my school asking me if I'd be willing to pray for the chapel. Mm. This was in year nine. And you know, for me now, it's like, of course, like that's sure. no, no questions. I'm, I'm happy to pray. Mm. But back then I said, oh, um, I'll think about it. And, and I walked, walked away and I was just like petrified. My heart was beating. Mm. I was terrified at the thought of, of speaking up the front. I can relate to that story. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and so that was me. And interesting, no one in my life had ever said to me, Braden, you should be a pastor or you should be a minister. Mm. I had some friends who were really good at speaking. Um, they were just naturals. Whenever you put them up the front in front of a microphone, they were so natural. And I remember hearing people say to them, oh, are you going to go do, do ministry? Are you going to be a pastor? As if being able to speak well is the, the qualification to be a pastor. That's not, mm-hmm. not, not the case. But I remember hearing them always encouraged to, to do that because they were good communicators. Um, and I never, ever got that in my life. No one ever said, Braden, I think you should be a pastor. Right. It may have had something to do with the fact that I was very, very clear that I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Um, and I, I remember just, it was my passion. It was my dream. I felt at home in a hospital. Um, not in the bed, of course, but you know, walking <laughs> around. And, um, and so why in the world am I in ministry today? I'd love to share that dramatic experience that took place. Mm. As I was studying the, the scriptures, I just started to have this you know, overwhelming conviction uh, that Jesus is coming soon. Mm. And as I looked around me, I looked at my peers um, at school. I'd look at my peers and I'd be just overwhelmed. Um, and I'd be very, very discouraged by just how how distracted we can all get. Yes. Um, this is not just a problem for the, for the young. It's a, for the young and old. We can get so distracted from what is really important. And we can get ourselves caught up with so many uh, destructive things. Mm. And I just was starting to feel this real burden on my heart to do something about that. And I started to pray, Lord, what what do you want me to do? You know, my whole life I wanted to be a doctor. And 
And if I could live two lives at one time, I think the other one would be um, being a doctor right now. Um, I I love love that kind of work, working with people uh, to help their physical needs. I really, really love that. Mm. Um, And I believe that you can serve God in pretty much any profession, whether you're a carpenter or whether you're a doctor, whether you're a teacher. Mm. God God has need for humble, um, trusting Christian people in every occupation of life. And so God's generic will is for us to love one another and to to share the gospel. Mm. Um, That's God's generic will. And I could do that in any profession, Mm. pretty much. That's right. Um, But I started to be convicted. I don't think it's enough just to know and do God's will generically. For you. For me. Yes. I, I was thinking... I want to know God's will, God's specific will for my life. Mm. Lord, That's a good I, question to ask. It's, it's a good question because we might feel quite content that, yeah, I'm doing God's will generically. I'm, I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. But have we ever stopped and said, God, what do you want me to do specifically? Mm. Like right now in this point in my life. And I started to pray, God, what do you want me to do? Is, is medicine where you want me to be? Um, I know I could, I could do that profession and serve you, but where do you want me? And as I was just reading, I was reading books, a book by the name of um, Gospel Workers and Messages to Young People. I was being so inspired by the need of young people to preach the gospel. Mm. And of course, just going back to what I said before, the thought of even being up the front doing anything terrified me. I remember um, in year eight, I was doing a speech up the front of of class and I really enjoyed memorizing things. So I'd, I'd memorized my speech and I went up the front quite nervous and the nerves overcame me so much that everything went blank and I can't remember Everything went blank, and I don't, I couldn't remember one word of my speech. Wow. And it was being filmed, and with embarrassment, I had to do the walk of shame back to my desk to grab my notes and then come up and read them without even looking to the audience once. Oh, really? <laughs> That's how nervous I was. Mm. Um, and I just had this, this, this strange stirring in my heart. I, I want you to, to do ministry. And, and it was so strange. I'd never, ever thought of that before. Mm. I was working very hard to achieve grades to be able to go into medicine school, which God helped me to achieve. Yes. Um, and as I was coming near the end of the year, I started just realizing that I had to make a very big decision: um, ministry or medicine. Mm. That was my. There was there was no other options. That was the two options, and one of them was my lifelong passion and dream. The other one was something that I felt that I couldn't actually do. If God wanted me to be in ministry, I, I can't actually speak in public, so there's a real problem there. That's a big problem. But the stirring in my heart just would not go away. Mm. And it came to the point of the year that um, university offers were being made and decisions had to be made um, mm. about um, you know, w- w- what I would do with my future. I was getting advice from people, and a lot of people said, oh, Braden, just do medicine. You know, you can you can take a break and, you know, um, you know, do ministry later on or hmm. go because I went to Arise I'll, I'll get to that in a second okay. Arise is a Bible school that really made a big impact in my life and hmm. and so I was praying about it and it came to the day where I had to make the decision and this is where the dramatic thing took place I had to make the decision that day and I got down on my knees and I prayed for about an hour and I just said God you have promised in the Bible that uh, because my, my favorite Bible verse is Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart Mm. and do not depend on your own understanding. Uh, In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will. Notice that he will. It's a promise. He will direct your paths. Mm. And I said, God, you have to help me here. I I can't navigate this one on my own. I need guidance. I don't want to just do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. 
And I just had this peace come over me. And as I was sit, um, kneeling there on my knees, I, um, I felt this strange impression, which I was quite familiar with at that point. And I felt God telling me to go into our library um, in my family's home. And so I made my way down to where all the books are kept. And as I walked in there, wondering why God was calling me there, I looked up on the bookshelf and there was one particular book um, that just stood out from the shelf. Um, and it, I just, my eyes just locked onto it and I walked over to it and I felt God impressing me to read that book. Um, and it was the book Gospel Workers. Okay, yes. Um, which I'd book. only read a little bit in. Um, and so I grabbed this book and I was wondering what God was wanting me to do and I opened up the book and I just started to read the first page that I saw. But I felt God telling me, I don't want you to read there. Turn left. And I just started turning left. And this is just after I prayed for an hour and spent time with God and and I started to read again. And I felt God saying, no, no, keep turning left. And I keep turning left. I kept turning left. And finally, I had peace and God said, read. And the first paragraph that I looked at, I started reading it. Mm. And it said this, there are some who are being encouraged to enter medical lines who should be preparing to enter the ministry. So very specific to where you found yourself, the mental space you found yourself at that time. Yes. Incredible. And so you have to understand this is months of praying and pleading with God. And Mm. it came down to the final day where I had to make my decision. And I'd prayed and I had peace. And God led me to a book with a little tiny sentence that answered exactly what God wanted to tell me. Mm. And at that moment, I dropped on my knees and I was in tears. And I just said, God, I'm willing to do whatever um, you want me to do. I'm willing to go down this path of ministry. And I tell you what, from that very moment, God took away all nerves in public speaking. Really? And from then, I've never had them since. Mm. From that very moment that I accepted the call for ministry. Praise the Lord. So you feel so comfortable with it now. It's almost a distant memory that you used to feel that in the past. And people find it so surprising because I actually quite enjoy talking nowadays. (laughs) Um, People find it so surprising. You know, Mm. Um, it, it always reminds me because whenever God does anything through me, I'm very quick to remember hmm. that the ability to be able to preach, to be able to communicate, that's not natural for me. Hmm. It's not something I can go, well, I'm good at this. No, 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 no. I know who I was right. and I know how terrified I was with public speaking. Hmm. And I know the dramatic and powerful difference that God made when I chose to follow him. You know, God gave me an opportunity to preach as school captain that year. And I just remember having the peace that passes all understanding as I stood there and preached my first sermon um, with no nerves whatsoever. And just noticing the difference that God made was just just amazing. And, you know, people tried to discourage me from, from um, going down this path. They thought that... Um, <laughs> Uh, and indeed, uh, medicine is a little bit more lucrative, I guess. it's um, You make a bit more money down that path. Sure, definitely. But you'd give me all the money in the world, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept it. Um, I would rather do uh, the will of God and, and mm. to have peace knowing that God is, is leading me. Praise the Lord. As you were talking there, I was actually thinking about, you know, when God calls us, he equips us. And even with Moses, Moses was called, you know, to go to Egypt mm-hmm. to call God's people out. And talk to the Pharaoh, and he goes, well, I'm a man of stammering lips. He'd obviously lost the ability to speak the Egyptian language, having been away for 40 years. And then God says to him, am I not the God that created man's mouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, so I can, I can give you the ability, surely. And here you just attest to the fact that when God called you, 
the thing that stood in the way, one of the primary things that stood in the way, he took away by equipping you, giving you the ability to speak. And they say what you used to fear and that you now enjoy. That's right. So you're actually a different person. Oh, in, in, in every way, I'm a different person. Mm. Um, God has made a complete dramatic change in my life. Um, and I'm, I'm reminded day by day that if God, if, if I had to live life separate from God, mm. um, I think I'd die of a broken heart. Um, that, and, and for some, that might just sound very, very strange. But, mm. you know, God is not, if, when you read the Bible, God is not a God who's content with a, like a, a, a long distance relationship mm. where there's casual contact every now sure. and then. God is a God who says, I want to make my home in your heart. Mm. Um, we find that in the book of John. Jesus this says, is John 14, yeah. Me and my father, we will make our home with you. And, John 14, and, 23, yeah. And, and God is a God who is um, not just content with just a, a casual, you know, um, casual contact with mm. us on a, on a random basis. He's a God who wants to be closer than anyone in our lives. Yes. And having experienced that, I realized that I could not do, do life without God anymore. Mm. Um, it's just... It makes all the difference, and only someone who's experienced that can know. Mm. Um, the Bible refers to God as a jealous God. Now, not in a negative sense as well, the way we sometimes think with that, you know, fatal attraction kind of an approach, but jealous in the sense that he yearns for us and desires that relationship with us. Yet at the same time, he's a God that still allows us free choice. If we want to choose something else, he jealously yearns for us, but he lets us follow that other path if we want to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's, that's beautiful. Now, you earlier in the piece spoke about the Bible and God says, I will, I will do all these things. So what you're doing is you actually just by testimony telling us how God has worked in your life. You're not claiming any credit of, your, of yourself. You're not claiming any glory to yourself. It's all to the glory of God. I wonder if you wouldn't mind unpacking that just a little bit more in regards to the word of God and taking it at faith value and believing God will do the things that he says he would do. You know, many people today have um, a copy of the Bible somewhere. They may not know exactly where it is, but it might be mm. somewhere in the house. It might have been grandma's book or grandpa's book at some point. Yeah. Um, and if you were to take the, I guess, the monetary value of the material of the actual Bible itself, it wouldn't be very much. You know, a little bit of leather, a little bit of paper. Yet I've discovered that the Bible is so much more valuable than it's just its print value. Mm. Um, there's, there's something very unique and different about this book. Um, it's not... I've found that the Bible is not a textbook just to be intellectually, um, you know, dissected um, and just to be, you know, pondered on in an intellectual sense. Mm. Even though the Bible is incredibly intellectual, you know, far greater than our minds Mm. because this is God's mind, Mm. there is a raw, vivid power that's packaged within it. And uh, why do I say that? Because um, if anyone has read the creation account, um, the Bible says that in the beginning there was nothing. Hmm. And the Bible says um, that God created light. And, and how did he create light? He said, let there be light. Yes. And then it says, and there was light. God spoke and it was done. And, and from Psalm, I think it's Psalm chapter 33. 33, yes. Um, there's a beautiful verse that says, for he spoke and it was done. Mm. Um, he commanded. He commanded and it stood fast. fast it says, yes. by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And, and all the host of them by the breath, by of, the his b- mouth. breath of his mouth. Mm. And, and, and let's, let's unpack that for a little bit. We're talking about the universe. Mm. Um, and I've got a telescope and I have the, the privilege from time to time of looking at the different planets through my telescope. I just realize how small I am when I do that. 
But if, if we look at any photos that have been taken from either the Hubble or some other um, amazing telescope, we see galaxies where if we were in a spacecraft, it would take us millions of years to cross them. Mm. You know, these are massive things. And the Bible says that God spoke. It was his very word that created all those things. And so when we are holding the word of God, the Bible in our hands, we're holding something very, very powerful. Powerful, yeah. And sometimes we do not realize the power that is packaged in the word. Yes. It, it, you know, when, when, the, when God said, let there be light, there was light. Mm. When God says, let there be love, let there be kindness, you know, I remember this amazing quotation. It said, um, in every command and in every promise of the scripture is the power. Mm. The very life of God by which the command may be uh, fulfilled and the promise realized. Yeah, wow. So when God says, love your enemies, he's not saying, get your act together, mm. make a new schedule, um, you know, do something radically crazy trying to fix yourself and love people. I think a- any person with their, their head screwed on right will testify that is impossible. Mm. How many I, times have I we can tried? Testify to that. <laughs> How many times have we tried to love people that we deem unlovable, mm. and we might be able to come up with some way of you know being relatively nice, but deep inside there might be passive aggression that we just can't get rid of. Mm. When God says love one another, that's impossible. And so Jesus, okay, you're asking us to love one another, and that's actually impossible for us to do. I think we need a new way of looking at the scriptures. Yes. When God says love one another. The very command itself is so powerful that if we are willing to trust in Jesus, that will enable us to love others. How can, can I give a, um, a practical example of this? Um, the story of Peter um, walking on water mm. is, and I believe that's Matthew 14, I believe. Um, Jesus, uh, Jesus was walking on the water in that particular story, and Peter yells out, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? Just one word. Come. come. Yeah. One word. Come. And he steps out of the boat in obedience to that one word. Mm. And the water beneath his feet became, as it were, concrete. Mm. And he walked upon the top of the water. And, and what made the difference? Because I've tried that. <laughs> I've, tried, <laughs> I've tried running on the swimming pool and I just go straight to the bottom. Yes. What made the difference? He stepped out in trusting obedience upon the word of God. Mm. Jesus said one word, come. Yes, amen. And when, when, I, when I realized that, I started to go, well, let me have a look at all the other words in the Bible. If Jesus says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men, wait a second, there's power in that word. Mm. He will accomplish what he says. He will, he will make me into a fisher of men. And so as a, as a minister of the gospel today, that's my calling to be a fisher of men. Yeah. Um, and so I say, God, I can't do this. You can do the transformation in me. Mm, that is incredible. I mean, and the Apostle Paul attests to that as well. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 came to mind as you were talking. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, the dunamis, that's the Greek word there, the dynamite power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And then also we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Christ is the one that upholds all things by the word of his power. Amen. Yeah, that's incredible. So that creative power that we see in action when we read the account in Genesis chapter 1 is the same power that is actually here on ink on pages. If we read it and believe it, God is the one that does all the work. 
It says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Amen. Christ. But he does it through his word. The apostle Peter as well says that we were born again, not of corruptible things, but incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So I'm, I'm so excited to hear that. I was just listening to it and I just loved where you went with that uh, explanation of it because it just makes it clear and helps us understand it. That this Bible is precious. I mean, people shed their blood just for possessing this through the dark ages, you know. And I think at this point in my life, I know why. Mm. You know, if this is just a textbook of, you know, telling telling you that you need to love everyone, well, you can find many, many different books in our world today, different religions which say you need to love each other. Yeah, It's not enough to simply know what we should be. Mm. Um, the, the uniqueness of Christianity is how we actually get to that point. Yes. We all recognize it. Atheists and, and believers alike all, all believe that we need to love one another. It's the good way of life. Yes. But the Bible is unique. Rather than us trying to climb the ladder, trying to become something that we're not, God comes down and is willing to live in our hearts and actually live in us. Um, there's a beautiful verse um, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Mm. So he says, I've, I've died. The old person is dead. Go on. I'm yeah. crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Mm. Jesus Christ now lives in me. Um, it's just this beautiful, beautiful picture where he just he he enunciates very, very clearly what the gospel is all about: mm. Jesus living in our heart and living selflessly through us. Uh, incredible, you know. I I've desired to love people like Jesus loved people, and I have found within myself not the ability to do that. Mm. I may be able to come up at best with you know because the the Bible, the Greek uses a number of different words for love. I can come up with brotherly love. But agape love, which is self-sacrificing love that puts the other person first, I cannot consistently do that. I might be able to fake it here and there, but on a consistent basis, I just can't. And it's, I was encouraged when I actually read that the Word of God says that God will pour out his agape love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm-hmm. So if we receive the Holy Spirit, which Christ has given us, we receive the agape love of God, which was demonstrated in the life of Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Powerful, isn't it? Beautiful. Beautiful. Look, I am enjoying this testimony so much and also the instruction that's coming through it that I would like to actually invite you back for another program at some stage. I think we need to unpack some of this a little bit more. But anyway, let's get back to your testimony. We're slightly distracted here, but it's still a testimony nonetheless. That's right. Because (laughs) at the end of the day, um, that's what made the difference. Mm. It was the power of God's word and the goodness of God. And without that, this testimony wouldn't exist. Amen. Um, So you... Mentioned Arise, you went to Arise. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so in the next few minutes, I would, uh, I'll try to jam a lot in. Okay. So I had the opportunity to go to a Bible school called Arise, hmm. uh, which is located on the Gold Coast. And that's a 15-week discipleship training course where you get um, – it, it's really about teaching you about the amazing love of God and how to share your faith with others. Hmm. After doing that, I was given the opportunity to work um, in a practicum kind of situation to share Bible studies with people. Yes. And I did that down on the Central Coast. Um, I was working in Woi Woi. Okay. Um, and so I worked there for, for some time and then was given the opportunity uh, to work for two years out in Moree. Mm. Now, this was the most challenging and difficult um, work environment of my life. And for anyone who's been out there and knows the challenges, you'll understand why. Mm. Uh, there's so much drug problems. Uh, there's so much dysfunction on every level. And there I was, um, quite a young guy. I mm. um, can't remember exactly 
how old I was out there, but I was young mm. and thrown into the deep end, as it were. Mm. And I just want to tell you about one, one, one particular testimony. I'd been praying, God, I want to... I want to hear your voice or, or be able to hear your voice whenever you speak. And if you call me to go, I will go. Mm. If I'm driving along and you've got something for me to do, I want to be able to recognize your voice, act on it, and so that you can call on me whenever you want. Oh, beautiful. And yeah. so I started praying that prayer. And I remember one day I was driving along to go and visit someone who I was doing a Bible study with. And I just felt this overwhelming conviction as I drove by this block of flats to go and knock on this person's door. And that was part of my job to go and meet new people. Hmm. But the problem is, is that I'd already knocked on those doors before, hmm. two months prior. And I just basically said to God, God, I've already knocked on those doors. Hmm. And yeah, I've already knocked on those doors. So I tried to um, make a phone call to just let the conviction go away, but it remained. And so I said, I prayed and I said, God, if you're calling me to do this, I'll go and do it. Hmm. And so I grabbed my, my clipboard and my survey and I ran across the road and I knocked on the doors of the flats um, where people weren't home last time. And I was thinking, oh, maybe God wants me to, to visit people who weren't home last time. Yeah. They weren't home again. Mm. And I was thinking, that's a bit weird. And so I just quickly headed back to my car. But God said, no, there's one more flat there. I want you to knock on that door. And I said, God, I've already knocked on that door and they weren't interested in God. And God just kept convicting me and I just kept resisting. I was like, oh, it makes no sense. I've been here before. They're mm. not interested. This will be so weird. Mm. And finally, I just gave in. I walked up to the door. I knocked on that door and a new face came to the door. And I said, oh, my name's Brayden. And I just came to your house two months ago. And he cut me off and he said, I just moved in three weeks ago. Uh-huh. And as I was going through and, and sharing with him why I was there, he sat down and he told me, Brayden, every night I lay awake wondering who God is. And I, I, I talk to God and I say, God, if you're out there, can you please send me someone to my door who will be able to show me the way? Mm. This is wow. one of the stories um, that where I see God just stepping into my life in a big way. And just, yeah, it, it's amazing to hear from the creator of the universe personally not just through someone else, but personally hearing the voice of God. Mm. Um, and I've heard the voice of God um, over and over again, and it's a voice that I um, want to hear for the rest of my life. Praise the Lord. Well, Braden, thank you for sharing your testimony. We're just going to take a short break in case people want to get these contact details down and they can get in touch with us, and we'll be back right after this short message. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio has been Pastor Braden Enterman. And just before the break, you were talking about this incredible encounter you had with a person because God led you to the door and these people have been lying awake wanting to hear more about God. So you obviously have a great enthusiasm just listening to all those stories for the Lord. Where do you get your enthusiasm for this? People often ask me that question. Mm. Braden, where do you get your excitement for God? Um, and they often ask me, where do I get that from? And I say, it's very, very simple. There's, a, there's an old kid song um, which says, read your Bible, pray every day, mm. and you'll grow. 
profound, yes. profound lyrics. And that's, that's simply what it is. I said to God, God, I'm willing to seek you with all of my heart. And I'm willing to, to invest in this with all of my heart. And I spent time in the word of God. I claimed the promises of God and he gave me salvation. He saved me from myself and gave me a brand new heart and uh, a joy in my step. And that's what fuels my ministry today. Mm, amen. So it sounds like the fruit of the Spirit is a living reality because it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, yeah. goodness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. So you can attest in your own life that when God calls you and you take the Word of God at face value, that all the things you read in the Bible are actually true. That's exactly right. There's a power within the Word to accomplish exactly what God says He would do. Yeah, and I, I encourage our listener today to step out in faith. Mm. Um, if, if, if you feel that your Christian experience is not what it, what it should be um, and you're feeling empty um, because true, true peace and satisfaction only comes through knowing God, if you're feeling empty, I challenge you to take God at His Word, to spend that time getting to know God because... Mm. It is the most worthy uh, endeavor and the most necessary endeavor for, for all human beings to seek after their God. And he says, if you, if you call upon me, I will answer you. Yes, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Yeah. So whatever God is offering you, dear listener, if you spend that time, you will be surprised how much better it is that you can't actually put in words the experience that God is wanting to give you. He's a personal God. He loves you. He cares for you. And Pastor Braden Interman, thank you for sharing your testimony and bringing out those aspects of this incredible God that we serve, a personal God, a God of love, and a God that's able to transform and change our lives and even give us skills and abilities that we didn't have before. So, dear listener, thank you for joining us today. We want to thank Pastor Braden Interman for sharing his testimony, and we look forward to catching up with you next time. Until then, God be with you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.